0: The Legendarium podcast is brought to you by by you. So please visit patreon.com slash Legendarium to to support support the show. But for now, welcome welcome to to the Legendarium. Legendarium. I got to say this. Are you saying that Amos is Santa Claus?
1: (laughs) Santa Claus. (laughs) Santa Santa Claus with a gun.
2: I don't know what kind of Santa Claus you believe in.
0: Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the Indigo team. We are... We are Ken and Stephanie and I am Todd. And we are here doing Abaddon's Gate, the second episode, the concluding the concluding episode of Abaddon's Gate or Abaddon's Gate or however we're going to get this week. I don't know. Um, uh, we we got to the end of the so so I just need to know first, first and foremost, when we got to the end of the book, did you kinda go, Holy crap, these were a couple <laughs> of twists that I wasn't expecting. Just just tell me, just tell me that there was a little bit of that.
2: I'm pretty sure I was the first one that said that. Yeah. And you guys were still in like chapter 40. I was like, what are you guys doing? I can't talk about <laughs> this if you haven't finished it. It oh, was so
1: cool. <laughs> it was so cool. Well, well
2: uh, it was fun might-
1: watching the little, the, the little uh, notes to each other though, as we got from point to point, especially Stephanie, she's just like, I'm out so emojis. mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> when she said that, I was like, Oh, no. Anna died. Um, I, just, I, just,
2: I just send out emojis every once in a <laughs> while. I did chapter, and I was like, here's an anger emoji. Here's a shocked <laughs> faced emoji. It
0: was awesome. This was probably the most – the second half of this book was probably the most fun that we've had with messages going back and forth. So, you know, and <laughs> oh, we're doing yeah. all of that while we're in, while we're in quarantine. So I was, I was madly listening to the book trying to get done with it because I had another book that I needed to stack up on top of it. So I'm walking around the neighborhood with my headphones on, and every now and again I'm like, what? And then I would be like, ah, that's awesome. And my neighbors are looking at me like, yeah, yeah, he's really lost it. He's lost it. So much for social distancing for Todd. Todd anyway. doesn't have to be listening
2: to a book to do that, though. So. Oh, thanks,
0: Stephanie. Um, <laughs> it's true. Um, so we might as well start with a recap. Does it begin with when we last left our intrepid heroes, Ken? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and there's your recap Thank you. uh, yeah. hey I
2: don't
1: I don't know what you guys have been doing during your social uh, your social isolation but I have been reading and not recapping <laughs> I, all of those things I kept saying oh I'm going to do all this stuff when I'm stuck in my house and can't go anywhere yeah I've been finding all sorts of other stuff to do while I'm stuck in my house and not going anywhere. And so it's been kind take- of great. But however, I, I will I'll allow me to give you a recap as if I were going to write a recap because it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> when we, when we last left our intrepid crew of the Rosinante, everybody had come across the gate to the other side of the universe where there was an international speed limit. And then there was a mutiny and then everybody started shooting at each other. And now we have a whole bunch of planets to discover the end.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that, that was is kind pretty of much out. it. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that.
1: That was pretty much my entire recap. That
2: was a terrible bull, recap, Ken.
1: Bull dies. We're all sad. <laughs> Nothing like giving it away in the recap. Dude, uh, <laughs> his was not the saddest of deaths or murders or executions. So- I think
2: his was like, for me, the most obvious.
1: It was, it was fairly Like I obvious. was expecting
2: it. Yeah. yeah. And, it,
1: and it was kind of a mercy.
2: Of course, 12 other <laughs> oh, people yeah. had died before then that I wasn't expecting. So I just assumed everyone was going to die at that point. So it
1: was, should we, I mean, should we talk about the death really quick? I mean, <laughs> let's, while let's we're talk here. about the body count on this one. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> we honestly, laugh.
0: we should not laugh. That was
1: a horrible thing to say and then laugh, but I'm just not, saying. They're they're not real body counts, Todd. They're not real body counts. They're not real that to makes, you,
2: Ken. If shake. that
1: makes you feel any better, they're so, real
2: to me. I felt every they? single one of them.
1: The one I okay, did maybe not feel, all
2: of them. I only felt really one of them that made the, me. Mad, the so.
1: one I felt was probably the one that you did, and that was uh, and that made me literally drop my jaw was Sam, with Samara's death. I was like, oh. okay, holy cow. Now, let's uh, we're gonna we're gonna
0: come back to that one because that was. That I mean, the the writing was on the wall on that one, and I think we all saw it coming. And you you just sit and watch it with the with the fascination that you watch a train wreck because you can't take your eyes off of it. You know what's going to happen. You can't stop it, but you don't want to look away either. Uh, either a train wreck or a horror movie. Either would be an, an appropriate analogy, at least from my standpoint. Yeah. Um, when but 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 I don't want to talk about that first. Okay. I want to come back to that one. Let's Um, end
2: on a sad note instead of start on the sad note.
1: (laughs) Well, basically the whole thing is full of a lot of sad (laughs) notes when you get to that way. Um, Well, there are kind of exciting notes toward the end though. Well, there's
0: a, there's a bunch. Um, What do you make of, what do you make? So when we left off, we've got Holden stuck in the, in the, in the space and the Marines come over and they catch him and they're dragging him back. And, and then we find out that there's all this political wrangling going on behind the scenes, and that Bull is the one pulling the strings. What did you
1: guys think of that? I liked, I liked it in the sense that Bull was the one who probably should have been calling the strings anyway <laughs> from the very start. Uh, Captain, uh, what's Ashford. his name? Ashford. Thank Ashford. you. I was like, it starts with an A, and I can't remember. But Captain Ashford was woefully under equipped to perform the, the job he was assigned, but politics got us into this position. And now politics is making it more of a mess. And ultimately politics is what's going to get us out of it. But bull is, is kind of, he he's kind of uh, not violating, flouting all the politics, I guess, in the sense that he's the one who knows what's going on, on this big, stupid uh, it, uh, ship. And, and he's basically going out of his way to, violate every political rule he can in order to get things done. Yeah. So I I don't know if that's the end of the question that you ask now that I think about (laughs) it but whatever. Stephanie, what did you think about the, the, we, we've kind of seen bull
0: transition from, I'm going to keep my head down and do my damn job to somebody's got to do the right thing. And so I may as well be me.
2: I think for me, I kind of felt like this is where bull was going to end up anyway. Like you knew that he he knows so much and how to handle the bigger problems that you know that he's going to end up being the one in charge and he's going to end up being the one that's calling the shots and and dealing with the the bigger picture of everything. So when that all kind of started coming down and happening, um, especially once the mutiny really started and he took out Ashford and put him in their little jail or whatever, like it for me, that was all it was a natural progression for his character. And you could see that this is where he needed to be. And this is where his character was going to shine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the notes that I made for myself was that bull, bull the warrior becomes the shepherd. Um, one of the, when I was, when I was reading as he talks about the idea of all of these, all of these people on their, on their boats in the middle of nowhere, they all have to come together or they're never going to survive. And so he starts working on all of these, uh, all of these, uh, beside back channel communications to say, look, we've got room enough. We should pull everybody together. Let's make this work. Trying to find all of these pieces that make sense. What it, for me, as I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm also watching the absolute inevitability of he knows he's going to die. It's just him choosing how and when it's not that he's going to, he's not going to take it laying down. Um, although he probably would have if, if Sam had to build that little mech for him to be able to walk. <laughs> right. But, but here, you know, the doctor's looking at him saying, uh, you can't do this. And he's like, shut up. I'll take care of myself. I'll, you know, you can, you can put me in a coma when everything's done. I was, I was very impressed by the writing that was done for that kind of a mindset one of the things that's hard about one of the, and and for me personally, as I, as I do, as I read books that jump from character to character, from one character's perspective to another character's perspective, and, and we see the world in those different characters, is how the personality has to change. It has to become terse. It has to become a little bit more hopeful. It has to become a little bit more thoughtful, whatever. And I was really impressed at the way that the authors, in this particular case, executed that. I don't know which one, I don't know if, you know, we've talked about before. I don't know if one of them had a couple of pink characters that they were writing and somebody else had the other two characters, but they did a really good job of making it very clear when they were, when they were presenting things from bulls perspective, it was pretty terse. It was clear. It was get it done. There's not a lot of time to think about the ramifications. It's just get it done because it's the right thing. And I really enjoyed that as we watch him go through this idea that this is changed to an to an emergency situation, and the only way that we're going to survive is to pull everybody together.
1: He uh, he's got a, a kind of a roughneck, matter of fact, business needs to get done kind of attitude that really resonated with me. So a lot of people who said, Oh, who's Ken's favorite character and why is it bull? Uh, that that's why, <laughs> you know, because, because he's just a, a kind of get things done kind of guy. That being said, um, uh, the, the mutiny from the very start was destined to be just a massive Charlie Foxtrot because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want Craig to have to edit anything. So, <laughs> it's just, it, it, it was. <laughs> it was. It was destined to be just a mess from the very beginning because they he took Ashford off the off the bridge, and then didn't do what he he's shown that he's willing to do before, and that's just space him. But yeah, he should at, have. But at, should the, have. at the same time, if he had if he had spaced him, then I don't think he would have been able. It, it was a t- catch twenty two anyway because he didn't get the people who were who were uh loyal to ashford anyway but if he had just spaced the guy he they, he never would have got those people and maybe it would have been a bigger problem because they because then there would have been people running around trying to get bull without a little bit of aim and leadership so that, that could have caused a bigger mess but be that as it made the the uh the mutiny from the very start was destined to be just a bad bad happening if you do not,
0: if if you're, you know, the one thing that
1: I've learned, Bad, from- necessary, I should say necessary. Sorry, it, it, yeah. you couldn't leave Ashford in charge. That was just going to get everybody killed. You you have to
0: you you have to be in a situation where you have the kind of backup necessary to make it stick. And when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're bringing in more people all the time and you can't keep traps on everybody, no way you're going to be able to make that stick. Uh, yeah, but. By the same token, if they hadn't done that in the first place, I'm not sure there would have been anybody left, especially when they started looking at some of the ramifications of powering up the laser and getting all of the ships to power down and all of the other pieces. They needed everybody on that ship in order to make it work. So again, and it's one of those deals where you go, wow, that was really cool. They did. Yeah, they wrote it that way, but it, it made sense. It didn't feel like it was... A, a plot device out of the middle of nowhere, it made sense. Part of what made it make sense for me too, and Stephanie, maybe this will be something that you appreciated, was the way that Bull is this warrior who becomes a shepherd for the for the human race. But Anna, who's a pastor, a shepherd, all of a sudden becomes this really down-to-earth down-to-earth, but very powerful philosopher in the midst of all of these kinds of things. A- after, of course, she takes out clarissa and the mac let's let's be clear (laughs) proves herself to be kind of a kind of a bad a with a with a taser
2: (laughs) i don't even know if i'd call her that like that was just a complete fluke she had no idea what she was doing
1: she She just just
2: happened to steal this taser and was like well i know this girl is dangerous and she's doing something that's probably bad I don't know what it is that she's doing that's bad, but it's probably bad. So I'm going to go follow her across space to someone else's ship and just happen to get lucky and hit her with the taser while she's wearing this <laughs> ridiculous mech that actually does something to stop her. Like, well, everything and, and- that happens with Anna in the when she's on the Rossi and she saves Naomi and the crew and everything from Clarissa was well, seriously it's just a complete luke
1: well and it, it, yeah it it just happened to be while melba was powering down anyway you know she was she was coming down off of her uh adrenaline fueled uh hulk you know anger issues you know or anger
2: rage but, but so, I think uh, that's, that's what i enjoyed about that scene is like there was no planning on her part you can't even say that she was this great scheming mind and you're like i'm gonna do this and it's just gonna solve this problem and i'm going to figure this out <laughs> it was just like i don't know what i'm doing
0: yeah. Well, as she, as she comes I hope back, it works out. The, I, I blame it on the drugs that Tilly gave me.
2: <laughs> she's <laughs> high during all of this.
0: <laughs> the, I was high. <laughs> one of the, one of the clips that I saved was the one where she says, Belters don't do this. Belters attitude is what you don't know is what kills you. She says, she doesn't <laughs> know what she's doing, but a Belter would never try this, but she would. I was just like, yeah, okay. Okay, good. So, as we're as we're reading the the juxtaposition between these two characters, uh, oh, I have to ask the meeting between Anna and Amos. That, <laughs> was a, that was a moment that I laughed out loud. My neighbors were looking at me like, "What's so funny?" And I was I, I had to pull my headphones off. I said, "I'm listening to a book," and I kept walking.
1: <laughs> but did you guys get as much a kick out of that as I did? I get a kick out of every Amos scene. Anything Amos is on. Yeah. Everything Amos says. But but the fact that that his meeting with her was like, hey, (laughs) how are you doing? (laughs) And then he's like, do you want her killed? We'll do that for you. I'll take care of
0: it right now. And she's like, would he? Oh, yeah, he would. Oh, he would. Oh, he would. (laughs) Do you want somebody killed Red? I'll take care of that. And then it's
1: it's the fact that he calls her Red and the fact that he gives her uh, deference you know, which, which would make sense if she's a, a preacher. I mean, cause he would probably defer to somebody like that, but the fact that she commands such instant loyalty, not loyalty the, re- the, the same respect
2: that he really just
1: respect is yeah. Better.
2: The, she didn't. I mean, she saved their lives and I think he knows that, but still he wasn't there. It wasn't that anything that she did specifically demanded his respect for her. It was just he knows that this is a good person and that he respects her in his own way, which I think yeah. is the funny thing. It's his way of showing respect. Like
1: <laughs> <Or do you laughs> most people kill? would
2: be like, that that's really what you're choosing to go with. And yeah. But for Amos, not knowing knowing how we know him as a reader, you know how much that means to him yeah. and what the way he's treating Anna is like the utmost there's not anything that he wouldn't do for her because of what she did. a long time
0: for him to get to that point with, with James Holden. Yeah. And he does it for her right from the get-go.
1: I, I think it speaks to Amos's character, by the way, of, of just how good a judge of character he is. And not through all of the facade character also. He can, he, you can't BS Amos, basically. It's he'll know if you're good and he'll know if you're bad. And if you're good, then he'll back you.
2: Well and I love towards Are the end saying, when
1: I, I gotta say this. Are you saying that Amos is Santa Claus? <laughs> no, Santa Claus. Santa Santa Claus with a gun. I don't know what kind of Santa Claus you believe in. <laughs> I believe in Nicholas the Santa Claus Nicholas that gets Nicholas. things done. <laughs> Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. And then I'll kill him.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow.
1: I'm sorry. Amos Claus. This is coming to town that took a that a, took a real negative turn sorry really Steph.
2: weird direction <laughs> what, what were you saying <laughs> Gosh. so towards the end when they're doing um when they have kind of all separated anna's going to do her video whatever with the Radio
0: free slow zone thing yeah
2: where she's the one that's trying to get everyone else on on her, on their side to follow along with what she's saying. And Amos is there and he's been tasked with pretty much just keeping her alive. And there's a conversation that she has with the, the host, whatever her name is. Um,
1: Monica. No. Um, yes. Monica. Monica.
2: Is that what it was? Uh, yeah. yeah. But how they're talking, cause Amos is ready to lay down his life for all of them. And they all know that like, when they're questioning Amos and they're like, no, he's, he's going to be the last one alive because yes. we all know that, that he's going to fight until there's nothing left to give in him. And yeah. I loved that moment of that insight with Amos of how much he cares. Um, We keep using the word respects Anna and what he's willing to do for her. Yeah. So I, it was just that moment that i loved towards the end when, and it's true. Like when he thinks Anna's dead and, he's still fighting trying to keep things going
0: do you think that amos feels that way because anna saved all of their lives or because it's he really is able to recognize her innate betterness than all the rest of them
1: well i think there's one more thing to add to that and that's that jim thinks that it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and so if anna is the one who needs protecting and says this is the plan. And Jim says this is what the plan is. Then that's enough for for uh, Amos. I mean, Jim is basically Amos's conscience. He's he's Amos's Jiminy Cricket. You know, Jiminy Cricket for I don't know how. <laughs> Never mind, Jiminy, Jiminy Holden for Amos. Wow. Jiminy Holden exactly. We sure. have
2: Amos as Pinocchio and Santa Claus.
1: Sure. So well, hey, he's, he's very he's versatile. So, but anyway, basically, I I think, I think that that it was Jim, Jim's plan and Anna's suggestion that gives Amos all he needs to make sure the plan is done. And he's not going to, he's not going to do a job halfway. He is going to, he's going to give it everything he's got. And so room needs to be defended. He's going to defend it. And that's, he's going to do it as, as best he can. So as we're, as we're looking at these, I
0: I, I want to walk away from these two right now, because I I, I have a question that I want to ask, which of the, which of these two is more messed up, Ashford or Cortez?
2: I want to say Um, Ashford is my opinion.
1: I, well, I, I think he's more, he's more immediately messed up. Meaning, uh, meaning that he he doesn't handle command well, and yet he's the captain of of the ship, which is just a horrible position for him to be in. But Cortez is is probably more messed up to me because he knows you know what he's doing. He's playing all these political games, and he's he's backing the wrong horse because he thinks some delusion of grandeur thing oh we'll be labeled as a hero because we sacrificed ourselves to save to save the uh to save earth and and the surrounding elements which is not true he comes to find out and everything he he does yeah everything he does is just wrong and he's got this myopic vision of of his rightness and his sainthood that uh that his his sacrifice is going to basically saint him, you know, in the, in the eyes of all of the, all of the solar system. And uh, I think it's that delusion of grandeur that is calculated and planned that makes him more messed up probably than, than Ashford, I think in the bigger scheme, but yeah, Ashford's just awful. I, I don't like anything about him. That being said, I can see how somebody who is the captain of a ship who gets mutinied would also you know, do everything he can to take back his ship. Cause I've seen plenty of mutiny shows that, you know, have that same, same idea. Stephanie,
0: you, you look like you were going to say something.
2: So I think for me, for s- strangely, some of the similar reasons, what Ken just said. Oh, don't um, say that out loud. <laughs> I know Um that <laughs> for me, Ashford is probably the one that's, that's worse. Cause I think mentally he's just gone at, t- after a certain point point. He's just so caught up in his anger and whatever else that he's gone crazy. And everything that he's trying to do, getting his ship back, is all just insanity. He's not willing to listen to anyone. But for Cortez, I think so much of us, especially for us coming from a religious background that all of us have, that a lot of us have done stuff because we believe that it's, we feel like it's right and that it's true. And a lot of people whether it's wrong or not claim that because I believe this is what God wants me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And a part of me feels like that's where Cortez is coming from, that it's his his belief and his faith though misplaced, which it easily can be any religion. I think can get to that point where you misplace your faith in something and it heads down a wrong path. I think that's just what Cortez did. He took his faith and, Put it in something that was insane, like Ashford. Yeah.
0: yeah. One of the, one of the, I, I really enjoyed there, there were, there were two, uh, two di- uh, diatribes, not diatribes. Uh, there were two relationships, Divergent. two sets of relationships that I, that I really appreciated that Cortez was part of both of them. It was Cortez and Anna and Cortez and Ashford. And, when, when we got a chance to see Cortez from Anna's point of view, as this, as the, as the philosopher sage, as the philosopher leader, as she's talking about all of these things and, and she has this moment. I I don't know if you guys remember that her, the, the diatribe or the, uh, the monologue where she was talking about or remembering her first sermon that she ever gave, you know, 23 pages of notes and deep Bible scholarship and everybody was asleep. And she says, and see if I can find the quote. Um, and I can't see it really close here, uh, but but I'll 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 summarize it as best I can. She said that she makes the the idea that people go to church not because they want to learn about the because they want to learn about the Bible, they want to learn a little more about God and f- by that feel close to Him and feel some level of comfort. And so she she gives that thought in context of her: we're all together, we're all one. Let's put our differences aside and try and save the human race, or at least a little pocket of that we got here. Cortez, on the other hand, having a similar kind of an idea, let's save the human race, but does it from a standpoint not of let's help each other, but let's blow something up. (laughs) And and it feels to me like anytime somebody says the way we save everybody is by blowing this thing up, I'm always really suspect. Yeah. Well, when he realizes he's not going to be able to convince Anna, he goes and convinces Ashford and find somebody that he can convince to blow something up. Fascinating to watch Cortez. I, I'm i not sure which one of them I, th- I think is, is more of a horrible human being as far as they're portrayed, but I will say this. Ashford scares me a lot more in the moment because he's just unpredictable enough that he's gone, and, and he does kill people mercilessly in cold blood, absolutely for moving things forward. I get it. That's scary. But Cortez puts people in power to make it happen. And that scares me too. I'm not sure when I I was asking myself this question, which one of them is more messed up? I'm like, I don't know, but whatever it is, you got to keep these two away from each other at all costs. And what do we do? We put them together for the Put them right together, yep. And then that's when everything breaks loose, right? Exactly. So- What did you think about the conversation or did you, did you have any thoughts about the conversation about Anna's conversation with the, with the sailor who fell, got his arm cut off because he was holding open a door and they're going to give him a medal for it. And they had the conversation about labels and context. Did you guys, did that, did that impact you guys at all?
1: I'm, I'm trying to remember it uh, now, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like I, it seems like it really uh, stuck with me or I really agreed on it with the uh, sailor in the sense that uh, he, he basically, he, he didn't need a, a, a label as, as a hero or he didn't need a medal or anything. Cause he's just doing his job and you know, and, and, and that's, that's it. He, his, his whole his well, whole, his uh, case, motivation is doing the job.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, and in his case, he said I was almost unconscious for most of it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. And he says, so. if I
0: if I fall into a combine, i I'm mercilessly, you know, I'm I'm told I'm and I and I die or I lose my arm in a combine accident. I'm stupid, but I lose my arm. By accidentally holding open a pressure door at the right time, and I'm a hero. It all seems about any, and he makes the statement: heroism is a label that most people get for doing stuff that they'd never do if they were thinking about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
0: right. And then they go into this conversation. It's it's in the same place that Anne is talking about her her sermon and about the idea of labels and context. She said, we've, we've been talking about the things that the aliens are doing or that the, you know, they think that's aliens. It's really just the sphere, the the autopilot, automatic, automatic settings on the sphere. She says, we've been talking about the things the aliens are doing, calling them bad. But we would be doing similar things if we couldn't, if if we had people coming at us and threatening us. So is what they're doing bad or is it just our, and this was a real, for me at least, this was a really fun, and again, where I said, Anna becomes this this philosopher sage. This is a really fun place for me where I start digging into and drives me to level three kinds of conversations. What are the stories that I'm telling to myself to justify actions that I'm taking? And am I thinking carefully enough about those stories to really be able to have those stories hold up under any kind of examination? Was that... I? Obviously, I've been thinking about that one a lot. I'm just dropping that on you guys right here in the middle of nowhere. Is that... Did, <laughs> Stephanie's but, smiling. Yes. Sorry.
2: Stephanie, I'm like... Stephanie's got
0: to look like I have no idea what y'all talk talking about. I,
2: I really don't because I was actually reading something that reminded that kind of fit into what we were just talking about. So can I jump back for a minute? Yeah, sure. I want to hear but, it. Let's okay, ignore so, Todd. You go ahead. Talk to <laughs> you about yourself. <stuff.
1: laughs> Todd, that was a really good point, but... Yes, that was nice, Todd. Over but over.
2: anyway...
0: What? what everybody really cares about is what stephanie was thinking about exactly so, stephanie, take it away <laughs>
1: Sorry.
2: i didn't realize this fit in until i started reading about it um but it was something that i had bookmarked but it's a conversation that anna is having with tilly towards the end after all of this has happened and um they're talking about cortez and what he's doing and i love I think this. I know the
0: conversation you're talking about
2: um so I'm going to read some of this just because it will just sound better than me trying to paraphrase it. Let's see. Let's see. That's a load of crap, Annie. That's exactly how you know the good guys and the who the get good guys and the bad guys are by what they do when the chips are down. And then this isn't about good guys and bad guys. Anna says, yes, we've picked sides because some of the actions they are about to take will have serious consequences for us and we're going to try and stop them. But what you're doing is demonizing them, making them the enemy. The problem with that is that once we've stopped them and they can't hurt us anymore, they're still demons, still the enemy. Um, Tilly goes on and says, well, I'm still going to try and to destroy him when, when all of this is going on. And Anna's like, why? He's not going to be here. He's not going to be supporting Ashford. And then she asks, what's the value of clinging to the hate? Of course, Tilly really doesn't have any answers to it. But Monica then asks, so what's the answer? And Anna says, I don't know. And this idea, this is what um, the description they give after. says, I don't know, Anna said, pulling her legs close and resting her chin on her knees. She tucked her She tucked her back as far into the corner of the room as it would go. Her body looking for a safe place with a small child's insistence. And that just kind of gave me, as we were talking about Cortez and whether he's the bad guy and whether he's the crazy one. And I just love this idea that Anna looks at it going, in the here and now, he's the bad guy. We need to stop him. He wants to kill a lot of people, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. But why should we cling to that? After all of this is over and done with, and I guess I can just relate to this. This is kind of how I am. A lot of the times I'm like, okay, this person hurt me. This problem, this person's done something to me here and now, but I don't have a problem letting go of it. I don't hold grudges. Yeah. And I love this idea of her, but at the same time, she doesn't know how to answer it. That she still doesn't have an answer. I, what are we supposed to do? I don't know.
1: And
0: I think this is a really this is a really powerful thing for. Uh, I, I, maybe it's a good a good level two kind of a conversation point too, because right now in and and maybe it can be said for every period of time that has a uh, high highly charged political debate and extremely polarized political opinions. But I think we're we're seeing a very similar kind of a deal. We've we've got we've got an incredible energy to defend very specific positions on both sides of issues. And and they're not just here in the United States, they're uh, around the world, we see the same kind of polarization around issues that are going on. And we don't seem to be able to find a place where we can say, yeah, you're right, these are heavy issues that we have to deal with but you're still a human being and I can get along with you and we can figure it out. What we do is we say, and because you disagree with me, you're an idiot, I'm gonna attach a label to you. I'm going to make sure that I do everything I can to mess you up and your family up and all of your opinions. And I'm gonna post horrible things about you on Facebook. And that's just how it is because you are dead to me and I'm gone. I think that's, I I think the commentary is well worth considering. I don't know what to do with it either. (laughs)
2: I I don't know. That's still I my answer. Either.
0: But I but I recognize it. And I Thank think, you. yeah, it's a big it's a big deal. And we just lost Craig. I guess he doesn't want to hear that anymore.
1: Anyway, um I think he just doesn't want us to see what he's doing. And me- honestly, if he doesn't, I don't want to see what I doesn't want to know either. Yeah. Hey, let me ask this question. Do you think this was more of a
0: character book for <laughs> of a character arc for <laughs> When, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about these books, I, I, try to, I try to think who had the stronger character arc. And they've done a wonderful job of, of kind of using the main characters, the characters that we follow, uh, that, are, that are consistent through the books. The crew of the Rosinante and some of, these other, some of these other power players. They, they've used these characters to drive the character stories of these other people. We got Praxidiki Mung, Mung and Roberta Draper. We got Miller in that first book where we were dealing with things we've got uh avasarala that has been part of those deals we've we've had these other characters that are that are being driven in this one we've got melba or clarissa depending on whether it's the first half of the book or the second half of the book uh, and then we've got anna and, and, and we got bull too we got bull too again we'll get, i get it but but Anna and Clarissa really feel like they have these powerful story arcs. Did one of those resonate with you more than the other?
1: I'm trying to... Well, I'm not sure. Stephanie, you go. I was first. like, is
2: Ken going to say something? <laughs> no,
1: you go first. I don't. I don't know. Ken was working really hard to come up with words, and then he gave up. So, Stephanie, that's, take it. Away. That's my guiding star, though. <laughs> <laughs>
2: surprise surprise I loved Anna I loved her through the entire book I think she was a strong character with I loved her moral compass but at the same time like it was realistic she wasn't taking religion as a this is it's not black and white for her and I love that idea because I don't think life should be or is black and white I think there's always some nice middle ground that we can we can get to and I think that's where anna kind of lives that she has her her ideas of what right and wrong is but she also agrees that other people might have an idea of right and wrong that don't agree with her in that way um i think i said a lot about her in the first i got my own little moment to talk about anna in the first half of this book which made me happy um so i could tell people why i loved anna
1: Yeah, and sadly, sadly, my my actual you know points praising Anna were somehow mysteriously disappeared. I don't remember
2: Ken saying saying anything about nice about Anna. Ken Uh does not like Anna.
1: (laughs) Wow, that makes
2: Ken bad. (laughs) And Ken Ken, is wrong.
1: (laughs) Ken is bad, wrong, fun. (laughs) Okay, so the. This will this will come as a surprise, but uh, I mean everybody knows how much I like Bull. But honestly, I really did like Anna toward the end of this book. Um, I, I liked I liked her practical, reasoned. Well, uh, Stephanie, her inclusive response to everybody. I mean that that everybody's points have value. That there are different ways to look at things, and that's not bad. And I like the fact that she is the voice of reason in what this new, you know, reality is, um, that we, that we have, you know, looking forward.
2: Well, so, and I love, she's willing to sacrifice her life. I mean, and it's not a blind sacrifice, like, um, that Cortez wanted where he wanted to sacrifice yeah. everyone for the greater good. Like it wasn't a, a blind sacrifice for Anna. She knew that going in and doing that recording, trying to ask everyone to to follow their their speed and their instructions and whatever that she was trying to convince everyone of that she was still putting her own life in danger, that she has a family at home that she wants to get home to. It's not that she she wants to die for the greater good, but she's still willing to. Um, and I think the difference between her and Clarissa is Clarissa, to me, didn't have that much of a story arc. Because she acted exactly like I would expe- expect a sociopath to act. Yeah. Maybe not a serial killer kind of sociopath. But the for everything that she did, there was a reasoning behind it. Even at that very end when she finally opened the door so Holden and all of them could get onto the bridge, it was all still very logical for her, very thought out. Anna said something to her that made sense. And yeah. so I don't know if I quite see a a grand story arc from her from when she was Melba. It was just more of her coming to the realization once she kind of let go of her pain and started getting more into the logical sense of what this makes sense. And this is where this is what needs to happen now. So, I mean, I think it's the same reason why she took on with Ashford and Cortez in the first place is, well, this makes sense to me. This is logical. Uh, I think...
0: I have to admit, as soon as you said, letting go of her pain and then logical, I immediately thought of Star Trek Star 5. Trek
1: 5, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I did. I'm sorry. I, I can't help
1: but notice your pain. My pain? Uh, yes, Give
0: man. me your pain. No, my no. pain is what makes me me. Okay, sorry. Ken, go ahead.
1: No, I, I'm i glad that our minds went the same same place, though. <laughs> and Stephanie is disgusted that, by and it. And that it wasn't in the gutter, but Stephanie's still disgusted.
2: Disgusted <laughs> <laughs> so, is a word I would use, but... Uh. <laughs>
1: Continue. I I thought it was uh, I thought it was good that that Melba it, it felt like she came around a little bit uh, matured I guess a little bit from the spoiled socialite uh, life of comfort and privilege um, mindset that she had still sociopathic I, I agree um, but it seemed like a logical progression that she came to realize, Oh, you know, this is probably bad and not the way that I should be exacting my revenge. And my revenge isn't going to matter anyway. And Oh, by the way, toward the end, she finally realizes, thanks to Tilly, your dad was not good anyway, you know, and you shouldn't be taking this up. Can we, can we talk about Tilly really quick, by the way, I, Mm -hmm. she was somebody I meant to bring up last time, but I wondered, I wondered about your guys' impressions of Tilly and uh, how how you liked her or didn't like her or anything. Speaking of, speaking of the conscience of someone along the way,
0: Tilly seems to be, at least for me, the, the pragmatic view that has to show up and remind people, uh, we've got some real things that we have to deal with at this moment in time. Yeah. At least they're real to me. Um, you know, when she talks about, oh, hey, sweetheart, they got coffee. They got the only good <laughs> coffee on the entire station right now. You you need to be friends with these people. They're like, how did you get ice for this? Oh well, you know me. I I promised the money. I don't care. Money's not going to do us any good if we get out of here. But if we get out of here, I got plenty. It doesn't matter. So I mean, right. there's, a, there's a level of there's a level of this person that I'm kind of like. I wish I had a friend like that that was you know kind of like that. But at the same time, I'm like, and she is for for much of the book was completely out of touch with everybody else around and with everybody everything else that was going on until she gets to Anna and sees Clarissa and makes a real connection with the conflict that's going on in fact for me it was kind of like you know Tilly's the Tilly's kind of the 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 rich version of Amos you know she'll she's got money to do her thing. Amos has, Amos has guns and, and muscles to do his thing. Tilly's the kind of the same way. She'll just, whatever she, you know, if you, if you make friends with her, you're going to be in a good, in a good place. Yeah. Um, and she's practical about it. Just like, and, Amos. I, and she, and she pulls no punches. She, she makes no bones about it. She's not trying to say I'm a great person or anything like that. But, but what I liked is that she reached out to Clarissa with a moment of real human compassion. And for me, if there's another, if there's another kind of, of level three story uh, it's this way that Tilly and Anna reach out to Clarissa that when they do it with compassion, when they do it with humanity, when they do it with genuine concern for the other individual, there's, there's possibility that good things can come of it. And maybe that's just me being Pollyanna. Maybe it's me just being a little, little overly optimistic about the state of the human, uh, human beings. But, but I really believe that in, in the face of, of, Terrible difficulties when we reach out with humanity, with concern, with care, good things can happen.
2: Can I add one other person into that group? I want to add Naomi into that group. There was a conversation I had on Discord after I asked, I was like, I need Naomi's backstory. Am I going to get Naomi's backstory? And everyone on Discord (laughs) was like, yes, yes, you will. You need to read this book. Um, But there was a moment that Anna is talking to the crew of the Rosie about Clarissa and she's asking them not to, not to move forward with saying this is Clarissa and this is what she's done and she's a terrible person. And Naomi asks why, and um, Anna explains to her that what's happened with Clarissa and what she's hoping to do with Clarissa. And Naomi, without really much thought about it, says okay. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Almost immediately forgives Clarissa for trying to kill her and her family, and Holden is up in arms about the whole thing. And they finally look at it and say, "Look, this is this is Naomi's person to forgive."
0: <laughs> I, I love how, of it, I loved, like, how yeah.
2: you I weren't even there.
0: Says, I loved how Alex says, "Well, Naomi can forgive her, but you know, if the captain's girlfriend's <laughs> right, he <gonna> be mad <laughs>
2: I loved this whole scene and I it was that one of those things that it's this scene with Naomi that I was like I love the immediate compassion that she had and that it was there's something obviously in Naomi's backstory where she is able to forgive that quickly because she was asked to that she's not holding on to that she's not going to hold on to this this hatred and I I want I still haven't read it I don't know what her backstory is and I'm I'm planning on reading it for those of you on Discord that have told me I need to. I'm still Is
1: it, is it a short story? Which, yeah, it's which, one of
2: I don't I'd As I was could...
1: gonna say which novella is uh, It's one Naomi's. of the
2: novellas and it should be the next. There's one I don't know. I could probably Every, find. It's on Discord under our author
1: Everybody keeps wanting us to read The Churn, but that's Amos's backstory. Yeah, there's
2: Amos has a backstory.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't remember which one Naomi's is.
0: So I want to, I want to go back really quickly and I just want to kind of put a, 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 a punctuation on the, this, this conversation about who's, who really are we following? It, it felt to me as I was reading the, as I was reading this particular book, that what we were really reading was Anna's story and that these other characters, all of these other characters were characters that kept getting pulled into Anna's orbit and, whether it was Bull looking at her and realizing she can do what he cannot, or Clarissa being able to see, oh, she is helping me understand that there's a possibility that humanity can still, that I can recapture my humanity. Or Tilly turning around and saying, all right, well, you know, there are really genuinely good people in the world, even though I've been so jaded that I can't believe it. I really felt like as, as we finished this one off, we were really reading Anna's story and I loved it. I really did. It was, I thought it was, I thought it was a good story on levels one, two, and three. She had a little bit of punching. She certainly was able to talk about some political philosophy, but also able to insert some really poignant uh, spiritual and uh, humanistic perspectives on how to live a good life. I really, really enjoyed reading this book from, especially as I got more and more used to the idea that this was Anna's story. Were there any scenes that jumped out at you guys that you want to talk about really quick before, you know, before we kind of move on and say, where do we go next?
2: Uh, I need to go back to my book. I'm Every, trying to, everything I bookmarked is all Anna <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I'm not in, surprised the, like
1: no. Anna. in the, in the second half of the book, it all felt like a, uh, it, it all felt like one big sequence, one big movie to me. I mean, everything was a singular sequence and, uh, uh, I, I I can't really find anything specifically you know uh, that stands out from that now. That I while I'm thinking about it, but uh, other than maybe Bull's matter of fact, oh 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 yes, I do. I, I the two that remind that um, that stick out to me, and we were going to come back to it anyway, are uh, Serge's death and Sam's death. Okay, and uh, just the the quick senseless um you know matter of fact way that they happened just both of them kind of just dropped my jaw especially yeah. searches like hey you're not supposed to have guns bam yeah yeah well, okay. of so, each other. wow you know and and sam's just happened so quickly too and you were talking about earlier todd how you saw that one coming and i i didn't until she was in the lift you know until he called her up and called the uh the assistant uh, chief engineer up. And then I was like, Oh, this is, this is not going to be good. And yeah, sure enough, you know, sure enough. It wasn't. So Stephanie,
0: what about you? Any scenes that stood
1: out?
2: Those were probably, I think those were the ones that got emoji faces. Um, <laughs> died, I was like, "What?" The? cause I, I agree. I really didn't see them coming. I wasn't surprised that they died. It was more of how and when they died. 'Cause like by the time Bull dies, it was like, Yeah, you're in the middle of a fight. You expect people to die in the middle of yeah. this epic battle. But when Sam died, I was I was shocked. And all of, like there was there was no build up to it. There was no talking back and forth as to like he didn't give her a chance at all. And it was shocking to me. And yeah. Yeah. I really I took that one hard. I was like
1: Well, and and the crew's reaction was, was our reaction, honestly, because here she's been with us for three books. The only other person in other than the crew, basically, that's been with us for three books and we've kind of grown invested in her. And now, wow, just like a snap of the finger, she's gone.
2: Well, and it was, they gave her so much more story in this book with her relationship with bull and how much that she was doing and what she sacrificed. So for her to just end that way so quickly, Yeah. And I mean, it's not that it was poorly written or that I have a better idea of what they could have done with her character because it really was. I mean, for shock value, I was there. I was like.
0: And and for the flow of the story, it made total sense. Yeah.
2: Once now that I'm finished with the book, I'm like, I can look back at those moments and go, okay, they make sense. And so by the time we got to Serge's death, like and he was shot point blank, I was like, oh, okay, yep, they've done that before. It's, it was still hurtful and I was still surprised by it, but it wasn't yeah. quite as shocking as, as Sam's death was for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a powerful moment. That's I, for was, sure.
2: I was angry when they killed off Sam. I like,
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I know you were. Yeah. That was. Yeah,
2: a long moment oh my <laughs> God. Oh, my
0: Wait. phone goes. My
2: phone
0: goes. Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie's, Man. Stephanie's
2: that. Read it yet. <laughs> that was the hard thing
0: <laughs> oh it was it was entertaining so for me um i mean it, i i can i i completely agree with you from the start of the second half of the of the book it feels like this is a this is a breakneck pace movie and i think the whole thing takes place or, or the majority of it the epilogue in the last little bit maybe a little bit longer but that whole thing takes place in just a few hours yeah it's not it it's it's not anything that's that's stretching out like some of these you know some of the pieces in the book we had to talk about oh yeah months have gone by no months went by before this is all taking place in about 12 hours yep but um for me it was after all of that on the rosie when when holden is talking to the miller apparition again and he looks at him and he says Doors and corners, kid. I keep telling you you (laughs) humans are too stupid to understand what's coming. He says, it's almost, uh, he says, uh, I actually, I actually pulled that one. He he says, well, you'll learn your lessons soon enough. And it's not my job to nurse raid the species through the next steps. And I think that's also where he says to Holden, I'm going to need a
1: ride. Yes. Yep. That's.
0: So with that in
1: context, Interesting setup for coming up.
0: And then when Holden says, yeah, we'll take her back, but we may not be going back real quickly. Is it just me or does that set this up for a real good, let's take a trip through the looking glass, Alice, and see what happens when we go through one of these other gates.
2: Well, they're going to go so many places now.
1: I I think the moment that Holden had his his little uh, vision of what happened before and... Uh, how there are tons of these gates out there you know attaching worlds to worlds that it was basically foregone that we've just expanded the universe and now we've got all these new planets to basically uh star trek our way to or or you know see what's out there it's basically a it's gonna be a gold rush for new resources and uh, new species, and let's let's see what we can find. Ba- it, it, it's basically what what the next book is all about. I mean, even the title references the lost city of gold. You know, the city yeah. of gold. So we we get we get the human race to a point where they can actually almost work
0: together for a few minutes uh, in a small <laughs> microcosm on this ship. Well, with the exception of the group that wants to kill everybody, and then <laughs> and and then I can't remember whether it was Tilly or Anna that said, and now. Commercialism and greed is going to take us through the rest of the universe. Yep, <laughs> we get here saying that we're going to explore and be scientific, but greed is going to be what's going to get us there.
1: That's Common absolutely stuff. right.
0: Um, I did, I did want to, I did want to share. I mean, there were some some other really good quotes in the book. I mean, obviously, this is full of full of some great quotes. The one about violence is what we do when we run out of good ideas. Great quote. Um, the, the one about the one where Clarissa was looking at Cortez and saying, there's a difference between tragedy and evil. You haven't seen evil. Evil is me. Uh, that was, that was kind of a fun little quote, but my, my, I think my absolute favorite quote in the entire book, and I'll invite each of you to give your absolute favorite quote as well, if you have one. But my, I think my absolute favorite quote, it was from an Anna chapter or Anna and it said, she felt the politics was the second most evil thing humanity had ever invented just after Ludafisk. <laughs> <laughs> and as a as a boy who grew up in Minnesota, I'm telling you, uh, I think I think I'm with her. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you guys have a have a quote that you that you say to yourself, you know what? Yeah, this is this is my one I want to end on.
1: Go ahead, Stephanie. I'm still looking for mine. (laughs) I have a feeling yours involves Anna.
2: How did you know? Ah. Um, So I've had this up on my phone for a little bit, but um, this is from when Anna first shows up on the behemoth and she's been walking through and looking at what the human race could do. But um, she comments, she says, show a human a closed door and no matter how many open doors she finds, she'll be haunted by what might be behind it. And I just loved that idea. And it kind of fits with as we open all of these gates across the universe that you know that the human race is going to have to go into them. There's no way that the way that they've created this that they're going to be able to just ignore what they've just opened up. And I think that's just how we are as a race that we're always going to wonder what's behind that closed door and have to know what's there. Cause we're just a curious group of people.
1: It is uh, true. I like this one. Uh, speaking of Holden, it was a lesson he'd never forgotten. The humans only have so much emotional energy, no matter how intense the situation <laughs> or how powerful the feelings, it was impossible to maintain a heightened emotional state forever. Eventually you just get tired and want it to end i think that goes it it goes for both um intense adrenaline driven situations and it also goes for new situations that that may not be adrenaline driven but are are bigger or more awesome than anything you've discovered before where eventually the majesty wears off you know what I mean? Like here, here we are going into book four where all of a sudden we have all these new worlds and space is vast now and we can go see all this stuff. Eventually that gets tiresome.
2: Oh, and eventually. here I'm thinking I've been in my house for two months now and I am done. Oh, yeah.
1: there's that too. Who, I, I thought it'd be
2: nice to sit at home and not do anything. No, I'm done. Not. Eventually
1: no. you just get tired and want it to end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, eventually,
0: you just want to go outside. And some people would probably say that's true of podcast episodes as well. Um,
2: <laughs> we, are, we, we need are this one getting, to end.
0: We we're now, starting, start. now we've got book four, Chibola Burn. Uh, is it Chibola Burn? Cibola. Ch- Cibola Burn? Yeah. Chipotle Burn? I don't know. We're going like, to let
2: Ken decide how to pronounce all of Cibola these Cibola
1: titles. I'm going to wait until I-, I, I you, 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 don't you don't want to do that red. because for, for the longest time I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I just kept calling it Chibata Bun. <laughs> So I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Well, we, we, uh, that's how it's pronounced.
0: I think we are, I think we're going to try and talk Stephanie into one more before we make a decision as to whether or not we're going to continue to move forward. Uh, I know that, I know that for many of you, you want us to go all the way through this series and, and we are, I, I I guess the easiest way to say it is we're, we're at a place where if we stopped, we could say, yeah, we're kind of done, but we kind of want to go with you through those gates. So (laughs) We're willing to give it one more book. We'll see how this one goes, and if the next book is is really quite good, then maybe we'll go a little further. Uh, but we, we at least we're going to do the next one. So Cibola Burn, Cibola Burn, Cibola Burn, Cibola Burn. Yeah. I have. No Craig's idea. just laughing. Like, what
2: are you guys talking about? Craig,
0: Craig probably is sitting there with his with his. He's he's like, well, linguistically, let me tell you how this would work. The lost lost. Would, like would you like to say that for us? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> well in, in that case ladies and gentlemen we will be reading the next one that'll be coming out a little bit uh, a little bit from now we'll keep our we'll keep our little indigo team together and uh have some fun marching through the next book and see whether or not it strands us on another planet all the way across the solar system and leaves us wanting to die in the meantime have some lutefisk oh wait it's not christmas time so that's probably not being made well maybe just have some lemonade and coffee we'll talk to you next time